Algar Productions. You are listening to the Post Atomic Horror Podcast with Ron Algar Watt and Matt Robotham. Episode 239, covering Eye of the Needle and Ex Post Facto with Gav Brown. Hi, friends. We're back, and resident expert, resident Voyager expert, Irish Gav is here with us. Yay. Hooray. Isn't it exciting? It's my favorite show ever. You don't have to do it by yourself this time, so that's good. That that is good. And I don't have to do all of them anymore. Yeah, Yeah, you only have to pop in, like, uh, once a season, so also good. Although you did mention to me sort of, what, what was it, like, halfway through your initial run on Voyager that... uh, English Gav decided to jump in and help, and then he's like, oh, this is terrible. <laughs> he, 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 oh, what was the episode? he joined in about season three because he thought it was ah. good. Scorpion, maybe? He, Scorpion! He thought it was good then, and then, it, then he discovered it wasn't. His his memory was that it was a good show, and he found that his memory had failed him. Yes. What, again? <laughs> his his problem was he relied on his memory. Yeah. Well, I would say he, he learned his lesson, but he probably didn't. <laughs> Hi, Gav. Um, Thanks for listening. Well, in in any case, I will say this week we have one that I genuinely liked. Yeah. I would say not just good for Voyager, but actually good. Yeah, it was good Star Trek. And uh, I I believe, Gav, you have staked your claim on all of those such episodes through the series. Is that not (laughs) true? The ones that I have liked, yes. Yeah. So, well, no, Matt, no, you... I'm doing, an, I'm doing no. one that's actually the worst show ever. Of, of oh, right, because there's an Irish one. Yes, I thought I have to. Of yeah, course. You, you already did up the long ladder for next gen, so you kind of have a, a, thing, a theme going now. Yeah, because my people. <laughs> <laughs> kind of like when Brian shows up for Vash episodes like, for some reason. You're talking about Vash? Yeah, Vash, <laughs> sorry. Thanks. Anyway, Matt, why don't you tell us all about Eye of the Needle? Well, sir... Voyager, the Voyager is cruising. Well, that sounds terrible. The Voyager? Ugh. No, no, that won't do. Voyager is cruising through space, I guess. When it encounters a wormhole that's just cold, chilling out. Will this wormhole be chock full of aliens who announce our captain as their emissary? No, of course it won't. Stop trying to make Voyager Deep Space Nine. You're not helping. Shame on you. What they do find is a wormhole back to the Alpha Quadrant. Oh, that was quick. Aren't stable wormholes incredibly rare? Rare? Eh, whatever. Unfortunately, the wormhole is very, very small, and therefore Voyager can't get through. But it might could transport a message through. After some work with Bellana and Harry, Voyager is able to send that send its message and instantly contacts some Romulan fellow on the other side. While said Romulan is initially skeptical of Captain Janeway's claim that she is stranded in the Delta Quadrant, that's a good premise for a show, but it doesn't sound like you've used it to its full potential, he yells at them. He eventually agrees to help the ship. After some work... Harry and Bellana believe that they can beam the crew of the Voyager through the wormhole. They experiment with a giant glass dildo, and when it transports perfectly, they bring their new Romulan friend. Hope you don't get stranded too, idiot! Unfortunately, a quick time travel scan from Tuvok reveals that the Romulan is actually from 20 years in the past. The wormhole apparently traveled in time and space, and nobody is willing to live in the past, where their fashion sense and taste in music is out of date. They do send the Romulan back with a message from all of the cr- from all of the crew to be open to when twenty years have passed, and also everyone's letters to future Santa Claus, so the Christmas on Voyager will not be missed. You know there is a a Christmas thing that happens 
that I remember from from an episode you and I were just talking about, Gav. Uh, you may not remember. It's it's a very brief moment in that in that queue thing. A child's Christmas on Voyager. Uh huh. You, you may not. Remember. It's it's very quick, but it's something that stuck with me because it was terrible. <laughs> yeah, it was terrible. <laughs> yeah. In any case, uh, we we talked about this the Voyager thing. I mean, we say the Enterprise and the Defiant. Why is the Voyager yeah. not good? But the Voyager is terrible. Why is that? I don't know, but it is. Look at it. The Voyager. I hate it. It doesn't bother me. I want it to be dead. All right. Maybe, well, it's not. Maybe the older it... you get in the alphabet, it doesn't work as well. Yeah. That could be. D and E are early on. Yeah, that, 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 that all tracks. If it was like the Zizix, we'd also not be into it. Yeah. It's the Starship Zizix. Yeah. Oh, oh, so well done for saying Balana Believe. Ooh, oh, yeah. I was pretty so proud of that. You didn't put an apostrophe in there. Balaneve. <laughs> so this was actually, like I said, a good episode. It was. It was surprising. Yeah. Uh, Gav, what was your good thing? My good thing was I love how they found a wormhole and that it was all just problems after that they had to solve. It mm -hmm. was too small. It was in the past. It's it's basically the Voyager equivalent of that Halloween episode of The, of the Simpsons. It's, <laughs> it's a wormhole. That's good. It's 30 centimeters across. That's bad. But we can beam through. That's good. It contains potassium benzoate. That's bad. <laughs> <laughs> potassium benzoate does sound like one of those uh, Voyager uh, techno babble words that they just made up. Captain, Captain, the ship's been flooded with potassium benzoate. I'm, I'm reading high concentrations of potassium benzoate, Captain. That's, that's bad. That's bad. <laughs> Can uh, I go yeah, now? It just, it just sort of started off with with this with a great thing and then just in incrementally just got worse and more depressing as it went on which yeah, I in, liked until in structure it really reminded me of a DS9 episode because you have that glimmer of hope and then everything just gets worse and worse and worse and then a little more glimmer of hope and then it just gets worse. it's like it uses principles of like uh, suspense mm -hmm. because you have to you have to be invested you have to think everything's going to go okay and then it doesn't yeah no i love that we go from we might have a way home to we might have a way where someone might read mail from us eventually. <laughs> Maybe. We, we might have a way home. We might have a way to beam to an en a hostile enemy's ship. We might have a way to give him a message, oh no, he died in the intervening 20 years. Mm -hmm. Well, fuck. <laughs> I think it would be really cool if they beamed across and then the rest of Voyager was set in a, Ro a Romulan gulag. <laughs> yeah, I'd watch that in the past. Yeah, yeah for 20 years, just like, uh, just like Nero. Yeah. Yeah. So it just ended up like a, a prison show, and then Captain Jamie started putting on a Russian accent. <laughs> well, as a disguise, of course. Of course. Yes, of course. Um, Matt, what was your good thing? Uh, I really like the Romulan science guy. Dude's not a typical Romulan at all, and I love how caught up he gets in the whole science bros thing. Like, he's so... Like, when he finally sort of realizes that they're telling him the truth and everything... And that they're in the Delta Quadrant, and that he can go to the Delta Quadrant, like he gets so excited. Yeah, the show has done a good job so far of keeping us, like, keeping the characters invested. Like, really, a lot of us who are into science and spacey stuff are like, we get excited, like, oh, pictures of Pluto, that's so cool. Yeah. And it's nice the characters in this show have that. Like, Janeway has it, and Bellana has it, and mm -hmm. this, this Romulan guy has it. Like, oh, discovering things, learning things. That's neat. That's why we're here. Yeah. And and it's it's effective. It's not annoying. Yeah. No, I really enjoy it. Like, and at the end, he's sort of like he's sort of befriended these people, and is just yeah. like, I'm really sorry. I'm not gonna be able to help you guys out. 
Well, and you say he's not a, like a typical Romulan, and you're right, except at the very beginning, he is. Well, well yes. You you are clearly not in the Delta Quadrant. That's impossible. You you jerks are lying. <laughs> Why are you going to lie so much, jerks? Yeah. But that's this a really easy a... way to blow up a Romulan ship, I was thinking. Just pretend mm, you're yeah. in the Delta Quadrant, then beam a bomb over. <laughs> we, are, we are literally in the furthest point from you we could possibly be while still being in the same galaxy. So, yeah, this is this is a lie that you'll believe, I'm sure. Yep. <laughs> yeah, it's great. I also love his voice because most of the episode he's just a sort of disembodied voice. And he's got a great sort of like, we control the horizontal, we control the vertical. Like like that sort of rich baritone, you know. The rich baritone, guy. yes. Hello. Hello. No, I'd, I'd be. I'd really like him to read and cut one of uh, do like an audio book of one of Diane Duane's Romulan novels. Oh yeah, that would be great. Yeah. But uh, no, I I quite uh, I I quite enjoyed him, and I liked sort of his little arc of, I don't believe you. Why would you lie about it? Okay, I have proof. Oh, this is pretty cool. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it's 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 good. I like and I mean, guy. like um, you know, this is a Romulan who you know twenty years in the past, like. Probably not on great terms with the Federation, considering I don't even think they're on good terms in Deep Space Nine yet. No, because at this point we're still only lining up with like season three yeah. or something of DS9, I think. Yeah. But even still, like, the uh, Memory Alpha pointed out that, you know, well, technically, and they're not wrong, um, in the Neutral Zone episode of Next Gen, that's when we see the Romulans for the first time, supposedly in like, I don't know, 50 years or something. So this would be that period where. They weren't even talking to the family. Oh, yeah. So there's also that. But they know who they are. Yeah. I Federation, they, huh? Yeah. I did like a couple of subtle clues where he, before we knew about that, he was like, uh, he said he wasn't familiar with the Voyager ship. Mm-hmm. And, right, and their technology, some kind of yeah. thing they could do. He's like, oh, you can do that? Huh. So it's like sort of yeah. subtle clues before it even happened. Yeah. Right. I also, no, was, we. Oh, I was thinking about this. Um, one of the first people he sees when he beams over is Balana, who, you know, doesn't look enough like a Klingon for him to remark on it. Like, well, she could be any kind of bumpy-headed alien. True. But they have been out of touch with the Federation for a while, and maybe they don't know. Mm. Like, maybe I suppose they're not aware. That, that's uh, just I, mean, Romul- that's... I feel like Romulans take an interest in what the Klingons are up to, because those oh, guys yeah. fucking hate each other. We trusted those guys once, and that went really bad. Yeah, so... let's not do that again. Yeah. My good thing. Yes. We've, we've talked about the kind of show we expected with this premise. We've talked about that at length, like what we wanted the show to be. And this is this is it. This is that show. Yep. Like it, it's 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 bleak. It, it shows us the bleakness of, oh, God, we're far from home with no support system. And here's a little bit of hope. But no, there's no hope at all. And I kept waiting for some Voyager twist. The wormhole is alive, or it was all a holodeck test, or some terrible magic dream bullshit. Like, I seriously, this is the first time I checked the runtime to see, okay, they only have ten more minutes to fuck this up. How are they going to fuck it up? (laughs) And they didn't. It was character-driven. Like, we had some really solid, like, Janeway's, like, we can't, like, Tuvok's, it's very much like the Kirk Spock thing. Where it's like, you know, humans, exciting, and hope, and, and but you must be realistic. And, and there's a lot of that. Tuvok's like, mm. are you really going to get these guys' hopes up? Because this probably isn't going to work. And she's like, we have to keep their hopes up, because otherwise there's no hope. And we're we're, we're, we're going to get a lot of replicated hanging ropes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Why did we put that pattern in there? But it's, it's got real stakes. I mean, we know they're not going to go home, but it's still, 
exciting from from our perspective watching them react to that. Yeah. And it's got an ambiguous bittersweet ending. Mm-hmm. Like I want more like this. This is this is everything I want from this show. Yeah. And No, it was, it was really great. Yeah. Although your bad thing. Ah, uh, man, we're on that note, we're six episodes in and we're already meeting dudes from the Alpha Quadrant. Like, we got this whole new galaxy to explore with crap we've never seen before in it, and we're already looking at old crap from next gen. That didn't bother me. Like, I don't think this kind of episode would work if we met an alien race we hadn't heard of before. Uh, well, that's the thing. It absolutely wouldn't. Look, yep. <laughs> shockingly, it was kind of hard to find a bad thing for this episode. Yeah, Gav, you said the same thing, correct? Yeah, no, I was... Um which was unusual for a Voyager episode to try because it's normally quite easy to find a bad thing. But, mm. yeah. Yeah? I just, well, and and what did you end up going with? I just ended up with going with, it's another spatial anomaly. <laughs> so that's what pretty much every episode now. Yeah? And uh, on, so another, yeah, on another note, since when is 30 centimeters microscopic? Huh, Harry? Stop trying to show off. <laughs> are you, you, are, you represent the, the anti-Harry Kim contingent. Yeah, I, I we don't, can't stand him. We don't really see I it love yet, we don't how much have you the hate Harry Kim. I've got to yeah. say, in these two, he wasn't too bad. But That's the still... thing. In the last six, he hasn't been, but you've seen, you know, all of them. Mm-hmm. So you know things we don't. He just seems so wet and... Please, miss, I like miss, that. miss. I like that about him. I like that he's eager to please, and I like that he's kind of naive, and I don't know. It doesn't bother me. And he's an ensign, like and he it. sits in also, on meetings. True. Yeah, I do. I do, I was wondering about that. Yeah, we mentioned that I think last week. Where like this is a meeting for senior staff and Harry Kim. <laughs> it's we, like well, they. It's we don't. Like, we don't have the heart to tell them not to come. It's like they gave him a, a medal or something that's just like special boy. <laughs> yeah. He's still better than Wesley. Yep. Like he's and and a better actor, I would say too. Definitely. So, yeah, but that. Wesley was what twelve when we first met him. I think so. Yeah. Uh, going by Alexander rules, he was 35. <laughs> no, I have no idea. I think he was supposed to be like 15 or something. But I No, know. no, he, he wasn't that old yet. I think he was. I think he was an early teenager. Really? I think so. I don't know. Yeah, because he went to the academy like in season three. Well, maybe. Oh. Like he couldn't have been that old or he couldn't have been that young. I don't know. It doesn't matter. He, was, he, he was the king of all children, though. He was. <laughs> but uh, great, you know. Grading on a on the Alexander scale, which I just mentioned, like kids aged not one year for one year. Like I'm pretty sure Molly aged about two years for one year as well. Yeah, they just they age them as they see appropriate. So mm-hmm. Whatever. Uh, my bad thing. I've been saying this for a while now, and again, it was hard to find a bad thing in this episode because it was it was a nice little just little character thing. Yep. Um But I this gives me an opportunity to call out the fact you could just edit Chakotay right out of the show, and nothing would change. Yep. He's the first officer, but he adds nothing to the story. He doesn't say anything interesting. Like, literally everything he does just does not matter. Everyone else is doing an important job or adding some interesting character stuff, and he just nothing. Just yeah, sitting back there, occasionally commenting on what's happening around him. But he doesn't even move the he's, story along. He's just like, uh, hailing frequencies open, Captain. Like, he's he's that guy. Yep. And, and the actor yeah, so got next, annoyed with something that as else well, will happen. Oh, did he? Because I, I, I had thought I had heard that he didn't like doing this at all in the first place. I do remember him complaining about how he didn't have anything to work with. Ah, well, and, that's true. Mm, yeah. <laughs> but also, you know, 
we've seen, you know, we've seen background guys like Cole Meany or like some of the lesser guys on DS9 that became bigger characters, like start out like that and build on it with their acting. And he's not really doing that. Yeah, but he's, he's like, he's, no, he certainly is. He's isn't. the number two in, on the ship. He shouldn't be, he's not a background guy. He should, should be, well, in fact, he's the opposite. True. He's gone from O'Brien to, to an actual background guy. This is true. Yeah. Like, but, can you can you imagine a Trek episode where the second in command isn't that like Kira or Spock or Riker isn't important? Yeah, it's ridiculous. No, they're always doing really. But I mean, you guys saw it because I pointed it out at the beginning of the first episode, and, and you, I'm, I think you were looking at both of them the same way I was. Like, yeah, this guy does nothing. Yeah, he's just pointless. Do something. Turn into a bird. <sighs> well, that's the next episode, Matt. Some oh. people. Some people sort of do that. Uh, there's there's this whole great B-plot with uh, the Doctor and Kess, which ends up folding nicely back into the A-plot, where um, nobody treats the Doctor like a real person except for Kess, and everyone just sort of looks past him and talks to Kess. Yep. And she goes to the captain and says, Hey, uh, isn't the Doctor part of the crew? And Jamie's like, What? No, he's like a computer game. Who cares? And <laughs> But then Kess makes a really good argument, and Janeway's like, yeah, maybe you're right. Maybe I should check this out. And there's just a nice little sort of mini arc there, and it, it feeds back into the main plot yeah. at the end, or, or toward the end, because he's like, oh, if they're all leaving, I can't go, and I'm going to have to stay here. Yeah. So if you don't turn me off, I'm stuck here for eternity. Mm-hmm. I, just, I really liked all that. Yeah, no, I, I that sort of bleak, like, well, I guess this is it for me. But imagine if they had left him on. And they might, like. Yeah, they're always very careless with him. Yep. Whatever. And he It's bad enough he's stuck on that ship alone, but he would be stuck in that one room knowing that there's a rest of a ship for him to explore and yep. he can't leave. <laughs> well, I guess I'll just really, really, really explore this one room. <laughs> yep. Make so, the most accurate map ever. <laughs> No, I I really enjoy. I've been really enjoying the uh, the cast doctor stuff that's been running through the last few episodes. Yeah, it's it's really the only sort of running plot thread we have through these episodes, like continuity wise, because we sort of initially when Neelix is going through his thing, she's like, maybe I could learn to be a nurse. And mm-hmm. this one she's learning, and in the next one she's learning even more. Yeah, and it's it's a nice little thread. And I don't know, I don't like Gav. How do you feel about Cass? Because Flunk flat out hates her. I. She's not the best actress, but I do like the stuff that she does with the Doctor. It's mm-hmm. There's a lot more chemistry in that than there are with so-called best pals, Tom uh, <laughs> and Harry. Right. Well, I will say this. Any time she spends with the Doctor is time she's not spending with Neelix, which is fine by me. Oh, I thought you didn't hate Neelix yet. I don't hate Neelix, but I still think their relationship is disgusting. Do you? Yes. Why? Because he's disgusting. Oh, all right. But you think everything is disgusting. No, just the human body. <laughs> and, and most food. That's true, too, yeah. All right, fine. That... I do think most things are disgusting. The yeah, world so is just horrible. just the human body and everything you put into it. Yeah. And everything that comes out of it. Yeah. Especially that. But I don't know. I mean, we mentioned this before. I think Kess is one of, and, and this is Amanda's observation, but I agree with it. Mm-hmm. She's one of the most Star Trek characters we've seen in that She's got that sort of sense of wonder and sort of she's got the outsider thing, but she's also like, yeah, let's explore. And yeah. I don't know. She, she feels very like 
why don't we treat people who are different as equals? It, it does make me wish she was more involved with the actual plots, because, I mean, these two episodes especially, all she, di- all she did for these two episodes is hang out down in sickbay, you know? It's like her and the Doctor are on a completely different Star Trek show. Well, yeah, we talked about that last week. Like, mm-hmm. The Doctor's a great part of the show, but we keep forgetting that because all the cutaways are almost unrelated to the rest of everything. Mm-hmm. But that's why I like this episode, because it involved him with the captain. It involved him with the situation that was happening. Like, he felt more... Like, he still didn't leave sickbay, but he felt more involved. Yeah. And I like that. He needs a light B. Yeah, he does. Yeah. I can't remember when he gets to leave, the, but yeah, it's it was a mistake for him just to be in that room all the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And also, I, and then Tom Parrish should eat the light bee. <laughs> is that a thing that happens? That was uh, a thing that happened to Red Dwarf, yeah. I assume the cat ate it. No, Lister. Really? Yeah, he was pissed off at Rimmer, so he ate his light bee. Oh, I don't remember that. Yeah, it did, yeah. Because I can't remember which I one was... that was, though. It might have been the one... Anyway, never mind. It was uh, the Waxwork Planet. Ah, I'm going to have to watch that series again, mm-hmm. so uh, I should be able to blow through that in an afternoon. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> they used Three to do they used to do they, they used to do that regularly uh, back back in Canada. They'd show you all of Red Dwarf in a day. Yeah. I believe it. Here's season 3. Oh, now yeah. time for season 4. But that would be season weird three. as if watching it because there's no continuity really between each of the series. Right. No. So yeah, off, watching it all together doesn't really matter. No, it starts off all made of cardboard and then becomes like a movie. Yeah. Yep. And oh, then man, it turns back into a sitcom. Set. Yeah. Yeah. Ah, what are you going to do? Um, watch Red Dwarf, speak- apparently. Yeah, I, I would like to watch that again. Um, one of the lesser, I would say, uh, character moments in this episode was Harry Kim desperately trying to make friends with Bellana and it didn't really take. Yeah, I, I, I feel like Harry Kim thinks Bellana's his, like, uh, his shot. It's like, what yeah, do you mean? <laughs> he's, he's trying to hook up with her. Mm. No chance. Yeah, no. No chance at all. Sorry, but, uh, st- sorry, Starfleet. But he's like, um, oh yeah, I forgot about that. Because that pilot was very forgettable. Yeah, they did um, that again in this episode. I think it was this episode. Oh, I, I didn't catch that. Yeah, no, she calls him Starfleet again. Oh, well, that's a nice that's a nice callback. Then I missed that. Yeah, I think no, I, I think uh, this is again them trying to do the uh, like they're trying to set up like relationships to for the show. Yeah, and it's not working. Well, it's working in some cases. Yeah, oh yeah, no, like I like with them too. No, I like Janeway and Tuvok. I like Janeway and the Doctor. Janeway and Kess. <laughs> Kess and the Doctor. Janeway and Janeway. That's about it. Yeah. No, Jane, like I've been saying the last few weeks, she's really impressed me. Like, I've really come around on her. Yeah. And she's got some good stuff in this one, too. Like, a lot of mm-hmm. got to keep morale up, got to get the crew excited about this thing. Oh, it didn't work out. Got to gotta put a brave face on and keep going. Like, you know, she did a good job. Yeah. I really like the scene with uh, Jane that... in her nighty talking to the Romulan. Um, <laughs> just, well, not, not in that way, but it just was so different from what you get from the other captains. Right. Yeah. She was was more, uh, you know, she, she was genuinely concerned that this would work and her crew would get home. Mm-hmm. There's there's a little more vulnerability to her, and that's hard to play when she's a woman. And uh, oh, it's because she's a girl. But no, that's not it. It's just because that's her character. And the the move she goes to with him is, do you have a family? Do you get to see your family again? Well, we don't. Yeah. And and it works. It doesn't come off as like. You know, oh, she cares about feelings because she's the girl. But it it feels, you know, kind of real and sympathetic, and I like it. Yeah. 
She did remind me of Bever in her box wine, though. <laughs> she, she does have a bit of a mom vibe going on there in her nighty. Yep. Well, she is a doggy mom. Yeah, it's true. true. Yeah. Uh, what else? Um, what the fuck else happened? This is a good episode. What the fuck else happened? Oh, I love the uh, that scene where uh, Bolana rushes in and needs to talk to Janeway in private because she's figured out a way to possibly beam everyone home. And oh, then, yeah, I don't want to get everyone's hopes up. Yeah, they both get so excited. It's awesome. Yeah, it's it's kind of a callback to that episode a few weeks ago. Yeah, I just, I love, uh, I, I, I apparently love problem-solving Janeway. Yep. And excited Bolana. It's way yeah. better than yelling Bolana. Yeah, they've already they've already scaled back the early like early Tasha Yar, early Kira stuff for her, and that's yeah. good. Yeah, she's not just yelling, so that's good. I will say, uh, Gav, you did mention yeah, it's another anomaly, but I will say they 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 did plant the seeds for this in the pilot. She said in her little speech at the end, she's like, "And we're going to be looking for ways home, anomalies, wormholes, whatever." Like, oh yeah, absolutely. Mm. So it's... I mean, they they set out the fact that there's a lot of this crap out there and we're going to go looking for it on purpose. So, yep. Like it's still kind of lazy, but at least, you know, at least it's, it was sort of built into the premise. So that's good. It's just the time uh, travel you find every other week. Yeah. Uh, and this was that too. Yeah. Yay. Cause yes. this has a time thing to it. So maybe, maybe this portion of the Delta quadrant has some kind of time. Like, I don't know. Something's wrong with time. That feels like a thing that would come up in a book. Yeah. And, to try to explain it. And I would like it. Yeah. No, they did that in one of the uh, uh, temporal investigations books. Yeah, where they mentioned all the original Enterprises time stuff happened all within the same time period and all the same area of space. Yeah, so there must be some localized anomaly or something. Yeah, also something to do with Scotty's engines, which I like too. Yeah, yeah, he he fucked them up so bad that he kept breaking time. Well, it was based around like the first time they time traveled in. Uh, fuck, what episode was that? It was one of the super early naked episodes. time. Yeah, naked time. Naked time! Yep. <laughs> okay, anything else? No. Do you have a quote? Yes. What is it? It is this. I finished these and I'm ready for more. You finished those already? I enjoyed studying anatomy. It would be interesting to see an autopsy sometime. That is a good quote, I assume. <laughs> <laughs> Best quote ever. Darn right. Yeah, that's the one I would have picked. No, it isn't. No, probably not. <laughs> All right. So then, moving forward to ex post facto. Gav, take it away. Tom Paris is a murderer. His punishment <laughs> is to relive the crime over and over again. In an unrelated note, I'm watching Voyager again. <laughs> Earlier, best pals Kim and Paris visited an alien world to talk with an engineering physicist about repairing the ship. They later go for a dinner with him and his hot wife. Later, Paris gets bored and spends time with the hot wife and her marital difficulties, as only he can. The physicist is annoyed about this and confronts Tom. Later still, the physicist is stabbed to death and the Paris person arrested. When Janeway hears of this, they go to the planet with Voyager and Inspector Tuvok investigates the crime. The hot wife said that she saw it all and it was Tom who did it who says it wasn't. Meanwhile, Voyager is attacked by planet's enemies, but Voyager defeats them because they're rubbish. Tuvok does a mind meld on Paris and comes to his conclusion. Paris is creepy. 
Oh, so <laughs> Harry and Tom were sent back to the planet, and the planet's enemies try to capture them. Duvot reveals that numbers and symbols that Paris sees on the reliving the crime are the, physici- uh, the physicist weapons research that were to be delivered to the planet's enemies. The real murder is found to be some doctor guy on the planet. A dog is the witness. The end. <laughs> None of that is not true. <laughs> I am going to continue to refer to Tom as the Paris person, by the way. <laughs> Hang on, wait a minute. You said Tuvok does a mind what? <laughs> a hoof melt? <laughs> There's a horrible reaction from Neelix when he's like, I will do a mind melt. A mind what? A what what? <laughs> yeah. Just ridiculous. What is oh, this boy. strange melding of the minds you're planning to do, Mr. Vulcan? <laughs> Tell me you more. Almost, you almost forgot Mr. Vulcan, didn't you? I did almost forget Mr. Vulcan, but I won't. That's your favorite thing. Mr. Vulcan and the Paris person. Mr. Vulcan, the Paris person, and Starfleet. These are the cast members. <laughs> and the very big fish. <laughs> oh, boy. This episode was garbage. Yeah, yeah, it was from the fucking first... This episode... Well, go ahead with... You want to say your bad thing. Go ahead, just do it. Uh, like, it's so desperate to be more. Like, this episode literally opens with it was a dark and stormy night. Mm-hmm. Now... I'm a fan of the noir, uh, like of noir chap- trappings and something, but god damn, like this stuff is the first day of writing class. Come on, Voyager, get your shit together. Like they even do his flashbacks in black and white. Yep. They play some sexy sax music along with it. Yeah, and hot lady Mick Moldhead could not be more <laughs> like could not be more femme fatale as she lounges in the lounging room with a cigarette. Which they have on this planet, cigarettes. Well, there's two things this planet has, cigarettes and dogs. No, no. sofas and spoons. Yeah. (laughs) It's all sofas and spoons, as Gaff said. (laughs) Now, there was, this was, we talked about this a couple weeks ago on that planet with just some human guys. Like, okay, this planet has terrible bird-headed guys, which was your your secondary bad thing. Oh, yeah, my secondary bad thing was these bird-headed motherfuckers. (laughs) <laughs> and don't be fooled when I say bird-headed that they've got the heads of birds. No, that would be cool and interesting. They just have weird feathers draped over random parts of their faces. Yeah. No, it's it's not great. But um, everything else about the planet is the most Earth you can possibly be. Like, yep. Gav, like I kind of noticed it, but Gav really pointed out all the little details. Like, everything in the set just... This could be a set from any TV show, like a contemporary TV show. Yep. That's a normal living room, a normal kitchen... All the appliances and, and implements are normal. Like, just everything is normal. There's a, there's a shot of the city, um, like an establishing shot, and I swear to God, one of the buildings has, like, a TV satellite on it. <laughs> that does look like an establishing shot we've seen in, like, seven other Next Gen episodes. It's too. like, so they can get the weird feathered head version of the Spice Channel or whatever. Ooh, the Spice Channel. I haven't thought about that in a long yeah. time. Yeah. They probably watched that Buck Rogers episode with the bird person with the exact same hairstyle. <laughs> <laughs> maybe they maybe they reuse these uh, props. No, wait, no. I think only Doctor Who does that. <laughs> maybe, maybe they actually watched that Buck Rogers episode and just made their planet like it. Yeah, probably. They watched that Buck Rogers episode and thought, oh, that was better than our show. <laughs> So wait, did those bird people call him Buck 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 Rogers? <laughs> God damn it! No, they weren't that. They weren't that Easter Rabbit. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Hankies, bunny. All right. Um, 
What was, what was your bad thing, Gav? My bad thing was, was bad the plot. It was just so convoluted that they had Paris convicted of murder just so they could put the research in his brain in the form of the murder so that they could give it to the other alien race. And it was the alien doctor who did it. So couldn't you have just done that without the murder and all? Wouldn't it be less hassle and you know people wouldn't be investigating? Yeah. Well, yeah, it's count. It's counting on the fact that they're putting the message in there, and then the Voyager isn't just going to continue on to the Alpha Quadrant, but somehow Tom Paris will be able to get the message to the guy. Yeah, like just there's got to be a better way to commit to espionage. Come on. Yep. Post it. Just stick it in a random dude we just found. Well, you guys are birds. Can't you just fly <laughs> it over there? <laughs> I picture them doing the the arm flap thing like in BoJack Horseman. Yeah. <laughs> No, see, I'm picturing them like, wasn't there an actual bird guy in uh, the animated series? Oh, yeah. Probably. Harvey, Bir <laughs> Harvey Birdman. Yes, that must be it. Birdman. <laughs> Did you get that secret message I sent you? <laughs> but, but yeah, it's super convoluted. Like, the, the, where it really breaks down for me, like I say, is how can they be sure Paris will deliver the message to the other side? It could just be the Voyager leaves they're on their way somewhere far i mean that's the thing like use one of use one of your own guy like yeah i'm sure you can find some other dude on this planet to like just do it yeah like no, why does it have to be so so like well and and this kind of ties into my bad thing which is i've seen this episode like five different times this episode is comprised of this is like a hot dog made up of chopped up bits <laughs> from five other episodes it's like, okay, so it's the Commander Riker is a murder episode, which I don't remember the name of. I think, was that Eye of the Behold? No, that wasn't Eye of the <laughs> No, I'm serious. Like, I don't, it was something like a point of view. Of perspective. Or, thank you, yeah. See, I knew it was something like. They're all like, Eye of the Beholder. Right. No, I knew it was something like a matter, like, like uh, you know, from your point of view or Eye of the something. Yeah, a matter of perspective. Oh, um, a matter of perspective. That, Gav just said that, Matt. Yeah. Um, but, yeah. There were bits of that. There were bits of the Geordi episode where it was the dog because it was the dog. Uh, there were it bits was of, the dog. There were bits of the DS9 episode, which in fairness hadn't been done yet. So I guess it doesn't count. But the one where O'Brien has to relive or uh, live a prison sentence in his mind. But it still just felt like mm -hmm. chopped up pieces of other episodes, you know? The, the, that one attached with the two alien races hated each other. Oh right, and made uh, made Picard yeah. and Bever yeah. connected mentally. Because in, yeah. in this one, they must have mentioned it being chain. at war about six times. Yeah, they really. Oh uh, man, they really foreshadowed the hell out of that. We were at war My favorite was the scientist guy going, "We are at war, of course." Yes. <laughs> I hope I hope our deadly enemies, the whoever, don't find out about this. Yeah, I couldn't even tell you the name of the, the turtle planet. people. Yeah, the turtle people who fight the bird people by being grabbed and dropped on their enemies. <laughs> I assume. Uh, ah! did, you guys, did you guys manage to find good things, Gav? What about you? Well, I've already talked about this, but the, I like the Doctor and Kaz together mm -hmm. with their chemistry and such and mm -hmm. things, etc. Uh, you but you generally believe that these are the, these are the first friends these two have got because I right. don't think she's ever had a friend before she's met the Doctor. Well, her included. life's her, her her lifetime is only like five minutes. Yeah, 
and she's been around Neelix yep. and a bunch of like filthy post-apocalypse guys. So, yep. Ugh. Yeah. It's just, so, yeah. just anyone to have like a real conversation with. Yeah. Oh, thank goodness. You know, I'm I'm good at things. If you teach me a skill, I can learn it and do it. <laughs> yeah, that sounds just, like a good way to connect. I'm down. She feels she feels useful for the first time in her tiny life. It's nice. <laughs> wow, I'm good at things. I can wow. be good at things here. You taught me facts about, you it's know... It's weird uh, being good at things. Physiology and medicine, and I learned it and retained it. Yes, like the dingus is the ear yeah. bone. <laughs> Name the bones in the ear. <laughs> the dingus? <laughs> yeah. Um... <laughs> Matt, what was your good thing? Uh, I actually like the concept of the punishment that Paris has given. I think it's really? a cool idea to have the uh, the murderer be forced to relive his murder for the rest of his life. Eh, but it's only at once every 14 um, hours. If it weren't torturing him to death, it would be. Well, Yeah, yes. every 14 hours. Yeah. Well, I, Gavin and I dots. talked about this. Gavin and I talked about this, and it's like, you're, you're being forced to watch 30 seconds of Voyager twice a day. That's terrible. It, it depends which episodes. <laughs> uh, I suppose that's true, but I, I can't think of much of anything I would watch twice a day forever. Although Paris, his middle name is apparently Eugene, so that's quite bad enough as it is. Gene! And I can't believe he actually told aliens this. Just gotta get him in there one last time. <laughs> Gene Parmesan? Because at the start, is like, Tom Eugene Paris, <laughs> you were sentenced to... You actually told the people who arrested you your middle name. Uh, maybe he thought he'd get a chick with it. He probably thinks that, because he always thinks that. Yup. <laughs> Tom Eugene Wesley Roddenberry Paris. <laughs> oh, I didn't catch that, yeah. Tom, definitely not yeah. Nick Locarno Paris. <laughs> different guy from another show that I just happened to play, but not the same. He's my, This man is my exact double. <laughs> Yeah, I don't. I I didn't actually care for the for that just because it felt like stuff we'd seen before, and it feels sort of like torture. And mm. I, I don't know. And and it's another example. It's also sort of the inner light in that we have this this uh, society that doesn't seem particularly advanced, having this hugely advanced mental thing. That oh they can yeah, do I can see that. That doesn't really. Their fit um, the their research took a very specific path. Yeah, that must be it. Well, I mean, we're pretty much modern Earth people, but, uh, mind crap. We can replay something in your mind forever. Mind taker. <laughs> <laughs> More Birdman. Yeah, I'm down with that. Um, my good thing is, I, I haven't really called this out specifically yet, but I like Tuvok. I like a Vulcan being the tactical guy rather than someone mm -hmm. who's going to fly off the handle and shoot first like Tasha or Worf. You have someone who's going to carefully consider the circumstances and make a logical decision. And his investigating, like when you put him in a, in a, like a detective role, is, is perfect. Like, he's dispassionate. Yeah. He gathers the facts in a clinical way. He's the right guy for the job. Like, and yeah. there's a bunch of points in this episode where Tom's like, you're saving me because I'm your friend? No, I'm saving you because it is my job and I'm following yeah. the facts. And just and, the facts. Yes. It's, it's really good. Like, I like... I like um, Tim Russ as Tuvok. Like, I think he does a good job with it. And I just, I like the idea I, of... <laughs> oh, I, I love his constant, like, we are not friends. Yeah, and, and at some point, when we get near the end, like where, he, where you have the standard accusing parlor scene, 
He's, oh, God, yeah. His argument hinges on Tom Paris is too stupid to have done this crime. He doesn't <laughs> know where your heart is. He's, mm-hmm. he's not he's not smart enough to not get caught. Like, yep. you know, he couldn't have done this. It's I like it. Yeah, and then when he does get uh, Paris off, Paris just complains because he uses an, he uses the uh, dog as a witness. Yeah. Yeah, please don't say gets Tom Paris off. <laughs> the dog, I should Thank mention, you. is an actual dog. Yeah, we've Not we've alien. moved backwards. We've moved backwards from putting a little horn on uh, on Roddenberry Spaniel's head. God, I would have loved that if they just stuck that the same fucking horn. I'm like sure that dog would have been dead at it. this point. Or they could stick the dog with the horn on top of the other dog. Ooh, double dog. <laughs> have you seen my double? It's dog? dogs all the way down. <laughs> <laughs> um. What else? Oh, there was there was some good um, banter with uh, like horrible Chakotay was like, uh, hey, we should try this maneuver. This works for the Maquis. And Janeway just rolls her eyes. Really? That's the best the Maquis can do? That would not work against me. You guys are terrible. Yeah. It's a nice bit of posturing where she's like, oh, man, you guys need to learn some new tricks. You suck. And I just like she. (laughs) You're lucky I like you. Yeah. For some reason, not, yeah. does not have time for his crap. Seriously, I, it, it was people, it was people enjoyable. fell for that. And um, and she also has another sort of badass moment where she's threatening, like when they figured out the plot, and the turtle people, as Matt calls them, like try to take Paris, and oh. they're and and she stares them down. She has a nice little sort of badass moment, and again continues to impress me. Oh man, no, she's great in that scene. Yep, it's just like oh shit, Janeway's not to be fucked with. That's awesome. And that's one of those things. It's like giving the indignant speeches and threatening an enemy over a view screen. Those are sort of the two main captain acting things. If you can do those, then I'll buy you as a captain. Mm-hmm. And she's done both of those things, so that's good. Yep. But overall, like I say, I feel like I'd, I'd seen this episode a hundred times already. It, it followed all the same beats to the point where we get to the accusing parlor scene and... Tuvok says, so obviously you did it. And then the guy sort of indignantly says, I, I don't have to sit here and listen to this. I'm an important man. Like, every single yep. time this happens. Ugh, so boring. Yeah, no, I fucking, I'm so tired of that crap. Yep. Also, his feathers were the worst of all. <laughs> you did his feathers ruffle your feathers. Your feathers are the worst of all, so that's why you did it. <laughs> yeah, you should be in jail for those feathers. So wouldn't that make him a jailbird? Ah! That was hilarious. Ah! <laughs> Wasn't it just? Oh, and then, of course, at the end, we have Tom Paris forcing his friendship on someone again. Hey, Tuvok, you're that sitting That is alone. how he does it. We're friends now. Well, why should his friendships be anything any different from his romances? I guess that's true. Ugh. Yeah, the vibe between him and the wife was... Uh, something yeah there's a scene where um afterwards uh where they're talking to paris uh and tuvok goes did you have did you have uh inappropriate congress with him or with her and he go he's just like uh, well uh it's not like that uh and i'm just thinking of course he had sex with her he's tom paris aka garbaggio jones <laughs> i don't think that's his actual name it is 
It's, it's Tom Biju. <laughs> no, it's Garb Garb Garbjean. It's it's Tom Eugene Wesley Roddenberry Garbaggio Jones Paris. <laughs> not definitely not Nick Lincarno. Yes, thank you. Nick Lincarno the Lothario. <laughs> Nick Lung, Nick Lincarno Bill Nails. <laughs> Billy Boy. <laughs> uh, what else? Uh, uh, Neelix does his whole. Oh, I've lived here before, so I know what it's <laughs> yeah. like. Uh, when they get to the aliens, the aliens lock their tractor beam on, and the, and Neelix pretty much goes after that. Yeah, they'll do that. Yeah, could you mention it before? <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah, Neelix plays his. I'm I'm your expert in the Delta Quadrant card heavily in this episode, and let's now compile a list of all the facts that he gives them that helps them. Um, That's the list. All right, good. <laughs> Nothing. He doesn't give them one fact that gives them any kind of advantage at all. Nope. Oh boy. I really. That said, I still like his how he annoys everyone. It kind of, it, it delights yeah. me. Like I, I like. There's a bit where he's with Janeway and and she's like, okay, so what kind of defenses they have? Nasty defenses. Oh yeah, what are they like? I don't know. I leave before they activate them. <laughs> and then he laughs and leaves. <laughs> like, and before like, she activates oh. her defenses. Yeah. <laughs> But she's like, oh, God. <laughs> she's just thinking, I I'm starting to think it was a mistake to bring this one. Yeah. I mean, I guess I guess we got Kess out of the deal, but still. <laughs> I like, uh, I guess this is in the the uh, the other episode, but I like, uh, I like her coming in to visit Janeway, and Janeway's just like, oh, Kess, how's it going? Yeah, finally he's not with you. How, let's talk. Yeah. I, I noticed that parasite you brought along isn't around. Good for you. Yeah. He's not coming, Would is he? Block the door. Sorry? He's not coming, is he? Lock the door. Yeah. <laughs> you just stand there and scrape at it like the dog. <laughs> it was the dog. Hey, my girlfriend's in there. I need to be in there, too. Yeah. Did I mention you're my girlfriend? <laughs> guys, I can hear you. Guys, guys, guys. Oh, I have to come in and do something hilarious. On the rug. I brought my, <laughs> I brought my chef's hat. <laughs> and a rope for you to tug. <laughs> what? You know, like you do with dogs. Oh, okay. Oh, boy. Fucking Anything else? Uh, let's see. It was the dog. Uh, Turtle no, aliens. Probably, probably made all these jokes before on a matter of perspective. Yeah, probably. Um, I, I don't know. It seems like the episode's running short, but I think we've said everything that we've said so, about yeah. the Uh, Gav, did you have a quote for us? Yes. My quote. Are you is, going to give me a little more than this is my quote? This is my no. Uh, my this quote is Matt's is, quote. <laughs> my quote is Paris do, uh, doing his noir thing. Oh, and it goes thusly. I came out of the other room, looked over and saw her in the atrium. <laughs> her eyes were a million kilometers away, staring at stars I'd just flown by the day before. Just terrible. Yep. I. <sighs> I really wish they'd just taken the thing out of his head and sent him to jail, and jail turned yep. out to be a big cage hanging from the ceiling. <laughs> With a mirror for him to peck at. With a mirror and a cuttlefish bone. <laughs> yeah. Which he insists is his friend. Alright, Gav, uh, there's two things I would like you to plug. The, the the first is the thing you always plug, but the other thing, you actually wrote about Voyager some years ago. You You covered this already. And we talked about this on the show, but now that it's relevant again, why don't you remind people how to get to those reviews? Uh, uh, yes, it's uh, called 
sickbaycheese.blogspot.co.uk and it's basically just quick reviews of Voyager when I watched them several years ago. Right, they're they're encapsulated. They're not as quite as in depth as no, these. No, it's but, only uh, a couple of paragraphs, I think, for each one. Well, it started yeah. off longer and then got shorter as it goes <laughs> along. As I noticed, this episode is ten fifteen minutes shorter than usual. Mm-hmm. I, I can I can see why that happens. <laughs> not that I don't enjoy your company, but uh, we are talking about Voyager. Yeah. Uh, and of course, your your fine podcast that we briefly alluded to earlier. Yes, drunken time travel, Doctor Who, beer. And we have our annual, well, maybe soon to be semi-annual crossover coming up. Yeah, we're working on it. So uh, look forward to that. That should be, I don't know, somewhere around Christmas-ish. Yeah. uh, English guy put forth the idea that maybe we could do these more frequently because they're so much fun. And maybe we'll just do shorter ones more often. So we're looking at maybe twice a year. So Yeah, that sounds good to me. Hopefully going forward, that'll that'll be a thing. That's cool. Um. Yeah, that'll be a lot of fun. Uh, okay, so our website, poststomachhorror.com. The email address, poststomachhorror at gmail. Uh, this is a short season. We are, I think, past the halfway point of season one already. Jeez. So, which means a supplemental is coming up fairly soon. Let's yeah. Let's see, we have one, <clears throat> two, three, four, five, six. We have four more pairs of episodes and we're done with the season. Wow. So, yeah. Uh, Mid-October sometime is our next supplemental. So, if you got anything you want to write to us about, poststomachhorror at gmail. Mm-hmm. Uh, and with that, let us caw away. <laughs> ah! Is that bird for see you, folks? That's something like that. The Post-Atomic Horror Podcast is a co-production of Ron Algar-Watt and Matt Robotham. Copyright 2015. Please don't sue us. We're just doing this...